0: The Spin Off Podcast Network.
1: Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today.
0: Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today.
2: Andy and I can't believe I'm saying this already but welcome to the final episode of Breast Assured brought to you by the spin-off podcast network together with Breast Cancer Foundation NZ. Throughout the series, we've talked about a lot of important issues when it comes to breast health, but I feel like the chats we'll be having today really sum up the kaupapa of Breast Assured. Today, we hope to empower you to make decisions about your breast health, because the way I see it, taking back ownership of our boobs is pretty much the first step in becoming good caretakers of our breasts. To talk about what that means and why it's so important, we'll be chatting with Johanna and Brittany from Nope Sisters, an incredible clothing brand that aims to create social change one tea at a time. I'll also be joined by Shannon McAlpine and Siobhan Ruakiri, daughter and close friend, respectively, of broadcaster Helena McAlpine, who lost her life to breast cancer in 2015. These amazing wahine had the unique privilege of supporting Helena through her diagnosis, treatment, and final days, as she took over. Of her breasts and shared her heartbreaking experience with Aotearoa, all in the hope that it might help save lives. Thank you for joining us for this final and very special episode. The question of who owns your boobs might seem to have a really obvious answer. Like, they're attached to you, so that's a fairly clear-cut situation, right? But if that's the case, then why do so many opinions exist about what you should be doing with your breasts? If they are in fact yours, then why do other people care so much about what you do with them? For as long as women have had breasts, we've been told what to do with them, how to wear them, when to show them, when to hide them, and who should have access to them. For something that seems definitively ours, other people sure do have a lot to say on the matter. Okay, so opinions on breasts include, but are not limited to, how when and where a woman should breastfeed her child, how low-cut or transparent a woman's top should be, whether or not a woman should be wearing a bra, how big a pair of breasts should be, how symmetrical a pair of breasts should be, how big or hairless nipples should be. When and how said breasts should be shown to anyone other than the supposed owner of the breasts, especially in public or on social media. You see what I mean? It's, there's a lot of opinions for something that you are the original owner and caretaker of. It's no wonder we struggle to give our breasts the attention they deserve. They already get so much attention from other people that it is practically exhausting to put that kind of focus into ourselves. In order to prioritise the well-being of our breasts, it's important we feel in control of our assets, so we can advocate for ourselves. In this episode, we'll explore some of the strides being made to help us take back ownership of our boobs. That way, we can feel empowered to do whatever it is we want to do with them, and not worry about what anyone else thinks. Part of loving our boobs is choosing who else gets to love them too. So, we'll also be talking about the best ways to support those with breasts, whether it be helping with physical checks or learning how best to support a loved one with breast cancer. There's a lot to unpack in our final episode, so without further ado, let's get breast assured. Johanna and Brittany Cosgrove are the force behind Nope Sisters, a local clothing brand that is not only wildly cool, but also a social enterprise with the aim of raising awareness and changing attitudes to help transform the social landscape of Aotearoa. The first t-shirt Johanna and Brittany released under the Nope Sisters moniker was inspired by their mum, who was diagnosed with breast cancer five years prior. Okay, let's get into it. Brittany, Johanna, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be Thanks here. Thanks for having us. Uh, so let's just start with your first tea, the Mystecta tea. Yes, that was your first tea, is the Nope Sisters, right? Yes.
0: Uh, how did it come about? One day I just got in one of those moods where I went to the warehouse and I bought myself just one of those little embroidery kits and embroidered the t shirt because I thought it would be really cool and it was sort of like an homage to our mum, and then Hannah posted it on Instagram, and we had lots of people being like, where can I get one of those? Can I buy that? And so sort of within 24 hours, me and Hannah sat down and were like, are we going to do this? Are we going to sell these? And we were like, Yup And that's sort of how it started. What was the
2: feedback like when you started putting them out there? People started buying them? Yeah. We also decided
3: really quickly on that we wanted to donate the proceeds to... uh, It wasn't even... Can Survive isn't a charity. Our mum is in a breast cancer survivors dragon boat team with all these other women that have survived breast cancer. And we knew off the bat that we were like, we need to be giving the money because they were fundraising to go and compete in Florida
2: in the World Champs and Amazing. we were like, this is how we can help. That's great. Yeah, it was great. Actually, I should probably paint the picture of what the mastectomy looks like if you've never seen it. Generally, it's one side is kind of like a little curved line and a dot, like a mm. boob with a nip and then the other side is a line with crosses like stitches, yeah. which for a lot of women, if they've had a single mastectomy, mm. that is actually how their breasts look. They have a boob on one side and then a, a scar. They might have had it, you know, a skin-sparing mastectomy, or they could have just had it completely gone, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, um, So, you know, and it's actually not something that we see in media very much. You don't really see it on Soshmed. You don't see it in movies. No. You know, I think The Simpsons recently have had a um, a single mastectomy survivor character. Papa. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're called Sage. Really? Yeah, and she's flat on just one side. Uh, That's amazing. Which is really oh. big news in the breast cancer survivor community. Because really <laughs> we're like, oh, my goodness. Uh, you don't do a double mastectomy one at the moment, do you? Yeah, we do. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
3: the two lines. Yeah. We also made it so if you were getting it for somebody specific and they had had a left breast removed or a right breast removed, you could have the scar
2: on the correct side that or, corresponded to them. Which I love that. Like, I yeah. actually got an immediate reconstruction, but I still love the idea of being like, this one's fake. <laughs> well, you're in on the secret now, you know? Because I think generally you probably couldn't tell, but, yeah, one of them's just like a foob, like a faux boob. Oh, my God, incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's still my own tissue. Anyway, we don't yeah. need to get into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the first line of the Mystectities then kind of evolved into a full-blown clothing line of mm. the Nope Sisters. So tell me about the papa of mm-hmm. the business and what the Nope Sisters is now. So our tagline
3: has always been, like, Dope stuff for a good cause. P.S. We started this company in 2016. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> I, it's fine. No probs. So each item of clothing or each T-shirt that we create is to spread awareness and create conversations around causes that are really, like, personally and specifically really important to us and... It's like universality through specificity, right? Like, if we have such a strong connection to this, then we're hoping that other people who are affected by these things can also um, relate. And each T-shirt or item of clothing, the proceeds are donated to a corresponding charity. Amazing.
2: Yeah. Did it, does it empower you as well as daughters of a breast cancer survivor? Does it actually empower you as supporters? Definitely.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like the Mysticity was sort of like a love letter to our mum, we were teenagers when our mum was diagnosed with breast cancer, and sort of when, when you're a teenager you, and you don't know anything about breast cancer or how to support survivors or whatever, you you feel a bit lost, and you're like, oh. And so it was sort of like now that we're we have more information and we're more aware of it and we sort of made these t-shirts for her. To be like, we do support you and we do love you, even though we weren't really great at showing it as teenagers. Yeah, and so I think it sort of helped us in a way. We feel like we feel like we've done something for her, and she's and mm. she absolutely loves it, and it makes her really happy. So yeah. Have you found
2: that uh, younger women who are either breast cancer survivors or supporting someone have they come out of the woodwork a bit more? Because quite often breast cancer gets talked about as kind of an older women's thing. Yeah. And yeah. I can attest to the fact that we that's not actually, always the case. It's, it's, really, it's not. really not. It's really yeah. not. So has it, has it tapped into that kind of younger Yeah, Definitely.
0: A lot of young people wear them. We have this beautiful story that this girl sent through to us um, a couple of years ago. She bought herself a tea just because she was like, I love them, I think they look really great. Then one day she was wearing it and the side that she had the scar on, she felt like her boob was kind of hurting. And she was like, I mean, while I'm wearing this T-shirt, I should probably go get a mammogram. And she did get a mammogram and turns out that she caught the breast cancer early. And she was yeah. only in her 20s. Oh my Crazy. goodness, It's giving me make
2: tingles. Yeah. How, how does it make you guys feel?
0: Incredible.
2: It's, but it's also like like
3: we just did this thing and the best thing is like seeing how other people respond to it or the, the platform that it provides for others. Is, yeah. is, that's the
2: most exciting thing. You're giving a voice to people in a way. And I think, you know, the fact that you are raising the visibility of the physical results of a mastectomy, because that actually, unfortunately, it's less so now, but um, I think a lot of breast cancer survivors do spend time trying to look normal, like they'll wear a prosthetic,
4: yeah. or they'll
2: wear baggier clothes, yeah. or yeah. they'll be frustrated that maybe the reconstructed side doesn't match the other side yeah. at all, yeah. and so how do I try and make it look like they're a pair, you know, I think that surely has got to be empowering for customers totally and for survivors as well right like that was that something that you thought we need to talk about more about the physical side of this and kind of what women are living with after breast cancer a hundred percent because I think
3: women's bodies are so stigmatized anyway and you know they should look a certain way and so when something changes in your body and then all of a sudden it isn't the image that we've been shown our whole lives of what a body should look like Mm. it's hard it's hard and shocking and so it's
2: I think it was really important for us to be like, scars are beautiful. There are women that choose to go flat on both sides. Have you had a lot of feedback from those women about these T-shirts?
0: I mean, the thing is, is that they absolutely love that we offer a double mastectomy option for them. I mean, I've talked to a few women who have, like, sent me through, like, beautiful photos that they've taken where they have the double mastectomy and there's, like... There's no boob left, and it's just their scars. They've accepted their body the way that it is, and they think that it's really beautiful, and they send me through yes. these like gorgeous like glamour shots of them with like no boobs, or they'll get like tattoos over them. yeah, and I think that that's really special. That it's amazing
2: because like I know of some women who maybe by their doctors would whatever would kind of encourage your young. You should get a reconstruction, for example, mm. and that's not always the choice a woman wants to make. Mm. And so, to kind of make that accepted—that going flat is a really legitimate option—that you could be really happy yeah. with—is quite a change of discussion. You yeah. know, it changes yeah.
0: the narrative. One of our mum's friends has had a double mastectomy, and she just goes completely topless to the beach, and nobody can say anything because it's like, well, I don't have any boobs or nipples. Yes, yeah, so that's awesome. What's the offence?
2: How liberating would that be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, good on her. And I think, you know, I feel like we're seeing that more and more, which is great, and long may it continue, to be honest. Uh, Let's talk about your boobs, both of you. Okay? (laughs) Onto your boobies. (laughs) Now that you've watched your mum go through all this, you know, you've started a whole business around this, how much attention do you pay to your own breasts? What's that relationship like? I check mine all the time.
3: Little arm up
2: Mm. and feel for lumps. Yep. Great. Oh, look, Brittany's doing it right now. <laughs> do you feel like you're way more diligent than you probably would have been otherwise? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I just, before our mum's diagnosis, I wasn't even, I, it was not even a thought in my mind. Your mum, when you need to check in? How's your mum doing now? She's good.
2: Is she still dragon boating?
0: Yep. Did they go to Florida? They went to Florida. Great. And they went to Florence as well. And she went to the Gucci Museum, and I'm still jealous to this (laughs) day. (laughs) Okay, but no, she's doing great. That's what we want to hear. Yeah, she's doing great.
2: Thank you, guys. And if you want to check out the Nope Sisters, give them a Google because I know you've got some mystic. I saw you have a mystic. T hoodie in your shop at the We've
0: moment. We've got a hoodie, and do we have a track yes. pants? No, we don't, because I don't know where I would put the boobs, like on, on the, the knees. I, I think like maybe we
3: joked about doing it on the bum, on the but then we were like, not sure. <laughs> like a juicy track suit, like a
0: juicy
2: couture, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. but boobs, <laughs> but a boob <laughs> and in a, a, a scar. I feel like I kind of love that. Anyway, you do amazing work. Thank you so much. You've been a joy. Thank you for having us. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's been great. We've got some really incredible guests joining us after the break as key support people for the late Helena McAlpine, her daughter Shannon McAlpine and friend Siobhan Rurokiri will be here to chat about Helena's experience and their thoughts on taking ownership of our breasts. We'll be right back for that special kōrero but of course not before another memorable
5: moment. My story starts many years ago when everyone else was going through puberty and I was not. I started at a new school, at my old school. Everyone was much like me. They had not hit puberty. At this new school, I don't know what was going on, but these girls were blossoming, and we had PE class. We went to the changing rooms to get ready. At my old school, the girls would take all their same blouses off, and underneath, we were all wearing pretty much the same singlet. At this school, they were wearing tank tops, and when they took them off, they were all wearing bras. And I took my shirt off and I was not wearing a bra. And I must have looked like some kind of boobless exposure perv. I was just trying to get my little kitty nips out. So as a result, uh, I went to my mother and said, Mother, I need a bra. And we went bra shopping. And I got a little triangular sort of wireless situation. Um, And it had Snoopy on it. And I thought, great, I love Snoopy. Went back to school, went back to PE, and got a bit of the old, that's not a real bra. One day my boobs grew in. Big ol' honkers, so take that, intermediate school. Who's winning now? Gravity is who.
4: Breast cancer is the number one cause of death for New Zealand women under 65. More than 3,300 women are diagnosed each year. That's nine a day, and one of these nine is under 45. Early detection is your best protection. Breast cancer is most treatable when it's caught early. That's why you need to get to know your boobs. Know your normal and get any changes checked out straight away. Checking your breasts is as easy as TLC. Touch, look, check. Breast Cancer Foundation NZ's pre-check app gives you an easy way to take control of your breast health. And they're here for anyone who has any questions or concerns about breast cancer. You can call the specialist breast nurses anytime on 0800 BC Nurse. That's 0800 226 8773. Breast Cancer Foundation NZ relies entirely on donations to keep its vital work going. Please support them to help make zero deaths from breast cancer a reality.
2: Welcome back to Breast Assured. Breast cancer isn't easy, and for many, including myself, life doesn't just go back to normal after treatment. It might seem odd, but despite that reality, I feel really fortunate to be sitting here today talking with you. Sadly, this isn't the case for all breast cancer patients. TV and radio presenter Helena McAlpine was an absolute force who spent seven years both fighting breast cancer and raising awareness about the disease until she lost her life in 2015. Helena took ownership of her breasts and controlled the narrative of her story, a story she generously shared with the whole country in the hope others could learn from her heartbreaking experience. By her side throughout her diagnosis, treatment, remission, and terminal return of her cancer were her daughter Shannon and dear friend Siobhan, and they both join me now. Kira Cordova, thank you so much for joining me today. Kia ora. Well, thanks for having Kia me. Kia ora. <laughs> yeah, lovely to be here. Uh, so many people are going to remember Helena from her broadcasting career. She did a lot, a lot for breast cancer awareness. But you guys both obviously knew her better than anyone. So let's just start with what was Helena like. Um, <laughs> ridiculous.
1: <laughs> um, I always go to larger than life when I'm, you know, describing Helena. She was, I remember the first time I met her, I was seeing some modelling competition down in the viaduct at some bar. And this chick came in like a... Um, Tasmanian devil into the bathroom. I just come, you know, just stepped out, and she just started yelling at me, her name, like shouting at me, just who are you? And I'm Helena, and I was like, who the hell is this chick? <laughs> That was my very first experience with her. And I thought, I don't like her. <laughs> and then she started working at the same place as me. Oh, my goodness. And it probably took me about another year to become friends with this chick. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's how our friendship began. But it took a long time to warm to her. And I guess a lot of people's experience of Helena was like, whoa, she's an out there kind of chick. And, you know, she might take a bit of time for you to figure out what you think of her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah.
2: that's your experience, Chef Shannon. You were, you know, like a, a kid when your mum was diagnosed. So, what do you remember of your mum? If I can explain it really briefly, it's
6: like a, a glitter bomb of a human being. Yeah, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter how far you uh, run from her. You're always going to find <laughs> bits and pieces everywhere you go. She's In on every you. orifice, <laughs> and every nook and cranny. Yeah. Um, that is the most simple way to explain um, who my In mum and was. In a nutshell, you,
1: you yeah. got it. You nailed it, girl.
6: And <laughs> do, do you have really good memories
2: of your mum? Like, I've got I've got solid? a lot,
6: yeah, 100%. A lot of intense uh, memories. Uh, like Shav says, the, the whole tornado of a human being is um, mm. unfortunately a, a trait I've um, picked up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> uh, what do you remember about when Helena was diagnosed? Like for you, Shannon, how old were you when your mum was diagnosed? Um, I believe I just, I was either
6: eight or just had turned nine. So really, really young. Yeah. Um I think at the first time around I was, I was way too young to, like, really notice anything or, you know, maybe mum didn't show as much. Um, but also, you know, like, in saying that, she was doing chemotherapy and then literally escaping hospitals to go and shoot fireworks on Guy Fawkes with oh. her friends. And, <laughs> and, and Shav, you surely remember that. Um,
1: I didn't know if we were going to bring it up. <laughs> bring it up, guys. Bring it up. Open
6: slather. Let's go there. Let's go oh, there. Did she actually escape hospital? She, jump, yes. she jumped a, a brick wall from oh one, from her suite after, like, ma- major surgery.
1: Yeah, she'd had major <laughs> surgery. She was not, she had to stay in a room, you know, her hospital room had to be an exact temperature. Yeah, yeah I've had this experience. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking to, about. To right. and
5: everything
2: hanging yep. off of her. Yeah, and, and you're right, it's a temperature-controlled, quite warm. Yep. Yes.
1: But it was Guy Fawkes night. <laughs> it was Guy Fawkes night. So what did she do? She had some, one of her mates... Oh, we were very angry with him, by the way. Um, You know, pulled up outside. They did a whole, you know, she escaped from the hospital, did a runner, and they went and watched the fireworks. And when we found out about it, (laughs) we were so livid with her. It's like, what what are you Doing man. And you
2: know this. Is... Do you know what? I'd actually paint because I've been through it. I know the state that she would have been in, and it just paints such a picture to me of Helena. Because at that point, like, if it's a similar surgery to what I had, you're barely walking down the hallway. The oh, fact yeah. that yeah. she like broke out of hospital and climbed over a blooming brick wall absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> I should probably just say right now, as almost a public service announcement, that we as a podcast, <laughs> me as a human, I, I do not endorse escaping from hospitals at any point. <laughs> Neither do
1: um, I, and I played not. a pretend <laughs> nurse on Shortland Street for three years, so yes. I know what I'm talking about, yes. okay? So they have <laughs> got medical <laughs>
2: experience.
6: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you
2: betcha. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about treatment for Helena. What did she What did she have, and, well, first of all, what did she have that you can remember in terms of treatment?
1: I definitely went to um, appointments with her, and chemo I remember really well. When I could go with her, I would. And... I mean, she took, yeah, like Shan said, she took a lot of that treatment stuff in her stride and she wasn't someone who wanted to talk about it at all. Like, if you tried to bring things up, she would shut you down. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I I suppose that's the experience for a lot of people. You know, they don't want to talk about it. And as a friend, I thought, you know, the best way I could help her was through humour. And that's what we did. Did you, because you, the way I hear you talk about this, you
2: brought so much joy as support people. It's a lot of, you know, like you say, humour, joy, jokes, fun. Was that because Helena kind of steered you in that direction or is that because that's just the kind of people you are?
1: Both, I think.
2: Mm. I think, like,
6: a a big part of mum after 2009 was her diagnosis. That was, do do you get what I mean? She became this kind of person that she was the breast cancer lady. Um, Mm. and, like, even down to the point where I'll walk down Ponsby Road now and I'll be pointed out as Helena McAlpine's daughter and she's known for that one thing. So I think, like you say, Shev, taking things in her stride was, well, this is now my, you know, this
2: is my role, this is my job to... Mm. to be this person. When you were, you know, younger and your mum was still here and you were supporting her through that as your daughter, did you also go the route of, like, joy and fun? Or, like, <laughs> how did you support it? Because that's a whole different dynamic. Uh,
6: we had a really weird dynamic. Um, I don't think anyone even yet has got their head wrapped around that. No. Um, oh. At oh, all no. have, it's almost like um, it was... Like And no disrespect to my mum, it was mum and her friends had a relationship and, and we had a separate one where we could be kind of funny, yeah. but it was on a more sombre note. And I kind of, at the same time, I was just becoming a teenager and I didn't know how to navigate to really talk about things with mum and she was on all these drugs and, you know, being this really high energy person, obviously you've got to come down at some stage, right? You can't always
2: be up in the air on 110. Um, Okay, so that was, you know, we talked a little bit about Helena sort of around 2009 with the first time she was diagnosed, she went into remission and then uh, unfortunately the cancer came back and that diagnosis became terminal.
1: How did the support change from your perspective? How did it change for you? I, I, it's hard for me to remember everything. Yeah. I think yeah. we, as soon as she had cancer, she had cancer, and there were times where yeah. she was in hospital for, and but most of the time she was still doing whatever the hell Helena McAlpine yeah. wanted to do, you know. So it's hard to pinpoint that. Yeah, yeah. I think like when when it became a bit
6: more serious, we were in England at the time, me and my mum, and obviously like, I didn't know anything. She didn't tell anybody, which you know ultimately kind of was the kicker. Um, but I think when we came back and it was terminal, yeah, yeah. she did more. She did more with the Breast Cancer Foundation. And that's through that, she I think, and, you know, please tell me if I'm wrong, Shav, m- mum getting support was also giving support
5: mm.
2: and, oh, and absolutely. awareness.
6: Yeah. That's like how she kind of, I, I believe,
2: kind of yeah. you know, got through a lot of that stuff. It was a coping mechanism in yeah. a way. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, she, she was a wonderful ambassador for the Breast Cancer Foundation, did loads of stuff with them, and they were a huge support for her. And yeah, like you just said, Shan, she gave it right back in spades. I think because, you know, she'd already been a television presenter, and being a breast cancer ambassador, she got to still do those things. She was an MC at their events, yeah. she was um, in campaigns. And yeah, so it, it gave her another life As she was dealing with a terminal illness, which is a weird thing to happen, right? But that's, yeah, that was a big part of
6: it. I think, yeah, that that whole thing of keeping the feet running, constantly doing things. She would never turn anything down, ever. Mm. Um, She Mm. she would put Mm. the most serious, important events in her life um, aside Mm. to do, it like, a cool little MC job. Just because, you know, she just wanted... and, And when she slowed down, that's when she became, you know this grumpy old tired lady yeah because
2: <laughs> that would be her existence yeah. there's yeah. nothing else to distract mm-hmm. her yeah did she um talk to you guys much about that or was that something that she kept quite to I, herself I
6: remember once maybe when I was about uh, not not soon before she passed away maybe a year or so before so I would have been t- 12 or 13 and I was really I was sick I had like a lung infection and I was at her house and I had said Oh fuck, I feel like I'm dying. And she really was like, well, you're not because I am. Mm. You know, and and in that moment I realized, well, she, yeah, she's dying, but she's actually scared. She's yeah. really yeah. fucking terrified and mm. she's you know, always on this on this going forward motion. So no one sees that. They just see this crazy, ecstatic girl that's really, really happy and really wants to get this shit sorted and uh, wants to have a really good time, but that's because she's running a, a million miles an hour because she is petrified. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. And what else do you do? Yeah. Yeah, what else would yeah. you do in that it's situation? It's literally called high functioning anxiety. That's yeah. it. That's exactly <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> if she could find a way to flip flip the script and make it about you, she would. Yeah. So if you were having issue at the time, she wanted to talk about you and your problem and help you through yeah. your problem. And let's totally ignore the fact that she had mm. breast cancer. Yeah.
2: Which makes sense because when it is all consuming, there's actually times when the last thing you want to be is a breast cancer patient. Yeah. When you're going yeah. through it, you're like, I just want to be anything but that right now because that is 90% of my existence and or 100% of my existence. Um. Shannon you mentioned your mum, you know took on that role of of like becoming the breast cancer lady that became her. Do you think that was her way of taking control of the situation and maybe you know ownership of her own boobs and mm-hmm. everything that was going on? I think Mum took ownership of every situation that she
6: could. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: a- any control that that woman could get, she got, she, and she snatched it with her life. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah. Short answer: her taking ownership of her boobs? She, I mean, like. If you search up Helena McAlpine, all you'll see is her boobs. Boobs. Um, And Mm, and that is how she took ownership of the the situation. And, you know, solely as, okay, I'm just going to intoxicate myself with this situation, spit it out, you know, and become that person. Yeah. I I think that's
1: yeah was the.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. Shab, did you want to add to that? Or do you feel like Shannon nailed it?
1: I think she she knows
2: too. Yeah. Actually, but on that, for you guys, you've watched, you know, someone really close to you go through this. Has it changed
1: how much attention you pay yourself and your own boobs? Yes, I had some pain a few years ago. I went to my doctor. She said, like, just as a precaution, why don't you, you can start getting them yearly. Um, But I have done that. Um, What about you,
2: Shannon? How are you with
1: your own boobs? I mean,
6: I'm, I actually had like some, like I was quite concerned about something in my my armpit, (laughs) which is really weird. And I went to my GP and I've got a really cool GP. She gave me a whole checkup. And then, like you said, I was referred straight to a breast clinic. Um, Ironically, as I got out of my change room, mum's calendar photo was, Right opposite oh, the one I went into. Wow. It really gross, gross, yeah. gross. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was all sweet, and and like you said, it was all free. Um, and I do have a really cool GP that gives me like a yearly little checkup, even though she's not a you know super breast specialist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it has
6: made me realize though, um, just how little my my generation knows about you know like I only mm. know about this kind of stuff because my mum went through it. Mm. Um, and I can definitely guarantee my best friend who watched my mum go through it doesn't even think about her own boobs because she's young and, it you know, it's something yeah. that old, older women get, which is obviously not the case.
2: <laughs> no. So <laughs> in that case, for both of you, uh, is this a conversation that you have with your friends? Do you talk to them about, hey, how are your boobs going? I mean, I know that's a weird thing to bring up, but, like, you know, would you have those conversations? My friend Sarah touches my boobs when I'm scared about them. Great. What a good (laughs) friend. That's a great friend. (laughs)
1: Love her. Uh, uh, Chef, have you got a friend that touches your boobs? uh, Yes. (laughs) 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 He's in the next room. (laughs) Good for you. Um, Yeah, I mean... I guess there's still a lot of people who feel fuck a mar about it and they don't want to talk, but that's not my experience and it is because of Helena, I'm sure of it, because it seems so normal. Yeah. Uh, Women will so often put everyone else before themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so they put, you know, maybe they find a lump or there's some pain or something's a bit weird, but they just put it off, put it off, put it off because the kids are more important, my husband's more important or whatever. And Mm. it's like if you... (sighs) love you know if you really love the ones you love you do it for them yeah you yeah that's their message. It's a really strong message of the foundations. And yeah. it's very, yeah, yeah, it hits home, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Do it for the ones you love. That's, That's it. Don't be selfish.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys have been anything but selfish today, coming forward and telling. You've been so generous with your stories about Helena. Uh, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love that you have people that will touch your boobs for you. That brings me joy. Um,
1: but it's been really it's been
2: really special, so thank you so much. No worries. Thank you.
1: Hey, anytime we get to still talk about her is really, really cool. for us. So thank you. Anytime.
2: It's been a really special episode today and I'd like to thank our guests Johanna, Brittany, Shannon and Siobhan. Time flies when you're having fun and crazily, this is our final episode. It's been so amazing to bring Breast Assured to you and whilst this is the end of the series, my hope is it's just the start of the conversation around breast health for you. I want you to feel empowered to advocate for your boobies and take charge of your future with regular self-checks. Mow the lawn, check the clock, whatever it takes to get your head and your hands around those magnificent breasts of yours. Talk to your friends and whānau to make sure they're doing the same, no matter how much they might think it doesn't apply to them. Breast cancer is indiscriminate, but with early detection there is always hope. Remember, TLC. Touch, look, check. Get to know your normal, and if you ever have any doubts about changes, get in to see your GP right away. Thank you so much for listening. Now you can set about being breast assured. in e your Breast Assured is brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network in partnership with Breast Cancer Foundation NZ. It was produced by Te Butler with senior production by Natalie Wilson and Jane Yee. Visit breastcancerfoundation.org.nz for breast health awareness information. Follow them on at Pink Ribbon NZ and download the PreCheck app now. All the links are in the podcast episode description.
4: Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment?